This is Made to Conquer, a podcast designed to inspire you to have a deep relationship with Jesus. Jesus told us to make every effort to enter through the narrow door so that when we stand before him, we hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Hello, everyone. This is Tiana Showy, and welcome to the podcast Made to Conquer. Thank you guys for tuning in. I can't tell you how much it means to me that you are tuning in and listening in these early days where I'm learning, still figuring stuff out. Speaking of which, I have not yet figured out a cadence for this. I am breaking all the podcast rules. Podcast rule number one is besides having a topic and all that other fun stuff, tell your audience when they can expect to hear from you. (laughs) The reason I have not yet figured out a cadence is because when it comes to dealing with topics of the word of God, I take it very seriously. Now I've said this before, and I'll continue to say this and reiterate this, that I don't consider myself a Bible teacher. I consider myself an encourager. I believe that is the gift God has given me. But nonetheless, because we dig into the word of God and because I'm holding myself out as a representative of the Lord, I take it very seriously that what I say, I'm not perfect. I'm not going to say everything perfect. I get things wrong in my last podcast. I get my words tangled up. And it's, it's unrealistic and unfair to expect anybody in any sort of position of ministry to be perfect. And if you think that people can be perfect, you're treading in dangerous waters. That's how cults get started. <laughs> uh, but I do hold myself to a high standard. And so while I don't expect perfection, I expect the best that I can give. And because I'm dealing with something as sensitive and as delicate and as wonderful and beautiful as the word of God, I take a lot of time to think about these, prepare, pray, go through the scripture and make sure that what I share and encourage you with is in context. Because again, as I pointed out on some of my previous episodes, one of the best ways to manipulate, misuse, or misrepresent the word of God is taking it out of context. Like I said, the Bible says there is no God, but the context of that statement is only a fool says in his heart, there is no God. So making sure that, that what I come to you and what I share with you is not only what I believe the Lord wants us to hear as a body, but also making sure that it is scripturally sound because God is not going to say something that is not found in his word. <laughs> He's not going to contradict himself. So with that said, today's, today what I want to talk to you guys about is something that I think is really, really important, especially in the days in which we live. And I, and I talked about in the last episode, how the times are changing. The season is changing. I know a lot of Christians who walk with the Lord, who are filled with the spirit, who started saying this about a year ago, even before Corona hit. And then once Corona hit, it started to become more obvious. And we're just seeing unprecedented things occurring in our time. And so more now than ever, I think it's time for us, the church, the body to wake up and get serious about what it is that God has called us to do. Get serious about spending time with him. Get serious about being in the word. Get serious about Jesus and and live what we talk about above all else. Or, or sorry, that's Proverbs 4.23, but seek first the kingdom of God. You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Today is the day. Now is the time to not to stop neglecting these things and to stop being lukewarm Christians. And I address this in an earlier podcast. So what does that mean? Well, we've talked about that means spending time with the Lord. We've talked about 
being unified with our body. Again, you don't have to agree with somebody to be unified with them. you, You know, and that is specifically, Jesus specifically told us to be unified but you don't always have to agree. I, I made the point. You don't agree. If you're a married person, hundred percent with your spouse, my husband and I don't agree with each other, but we're a unit. We're a team just because we don't agree. Doesn't make us not a team, not a unit. And we're, we, we, one thing we should all work together on the entire body of Christ should be unified in this. We are doing what Jesus tells us to do, which is loving people and telling the world about him. We have a shared goal and a shared mission. Whether we agree about the details of doctrine and some of those things is second to our shared mission. So to kind of further that, I want to talk about your calling on your particular life, on you, your life. We talked about spending time with the Lord and having a relationship with him. We talked about our body. Now it's time to talk about you and your personal responsibility, the next step in all of this. So the thing that is important to understand is that every person in the body has a purpose, has a function. You've been given a gift. You have a job. Again, one of the things that has concerned me as I, as I sit back and I look at the landscape of fakianity, churchianity, religianity, is that we have so many churches so interested in filling the pews or the seats that they've stopped teaching the next step of salvation. Yes, you get saved. And then <laughs> what's the next step? We are, we are called to use what God has given us for the kingdom. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to go straight into the Bible and we're going to look at what God says about us and our roles, our responsibilities, the gifts he gives us and what he expects from us. And then we're going to talk about how to actually produce a crop in our lives and how to actually fulfill what it is that the Lord has called us to do. So the first point I want to talk about is you have a function, you have a job, you have a role, and you have been given gifts. So let's go to Romans chapter 12. Now, again, I love to keep scripture in context of scripture. So we're going to go a little bit beyond the context that I, the, the text that I want to talk about, but I think it's important to see this in the big picture in the whole, in in the whole letter. You know, again, when I try to, when I read the Bible, I try not to look at verses in, in chapters. I try, especially when you're, when we're reading the new Testament, when it's letters, you know, Paul didn't say, okay, this is a new chapter of the letter. He just wrote a letter. (laughs) So I want us to look at this letter in Romans and we start off in chapter 12. And actually what chapter 12 is talking about is the depth or, or what precedes chapter 12, chapter 11 talks about the depth and riches of the wisdom of knowledge of God and what, he, you know, the, the salvation that's been given to the Gentiles. So he's saying to the Gentiles, you are so fortunate because you've been grafted into the vine. God has extended his promise to Israel to you. And so he, he goes into chapter 12 saying, therefore, since salvation has been given to you, which is kind of the perfect point to start off here. Since you have been given salvation, therefore, Paul says, I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And Paul says, okay, so I want you to offer your bodies, but he also says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to Test and approve God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Okay, so offer your bodies living sacrifice. Now, 
Here's what he goes on to talk about how you offer your bodies a living sacrifice. He says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to. So again, remember that the, the way we're to think of ourselves is as servants of all. Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. That should be our mindset. We are to think and look for ways where we can wash the feet of the people around us. He says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So now here's the part I wanted us to focus on. For just as each of us has one body with many members or parts, these parts do not have the same function. You have a body and every part of your body has a different function, right? Your eyes don't do what your mouth does. Your mouth doesn't do what your nose does. Your nose doesn't do what your intestines do. Your intestines don't do what your feet do, okay? That's what he's saying here. So in Christ, though many form one body, going back to what we talked about in the prior podcast, we're one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So you are not your own. You belong to the other parts of your body. You belong to Christ. You were paid for. Verse six, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So you have a gift. You have a function. You are part of this body. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesying accordance in, in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it di diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So what Paul is telling us here is that as Gentiles grafted into the promise, we are to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, be transformed by the renewing of our mind, consider ourselves a part of a body, and use the gifts that God has given us. So with that in mind, I want to talk about what Jesus tells us about what he expects of us. So the, there are Three passages we're going to talk about today where Jesus is very specific about what he expects from us. So in Matthew chapter 13, we are going to look at the parable of the seed and the sower. Now, what's interesting about this parable of seed and sower is that this parable shows up not only in Matthew, but it shows up in Mark and in Luke as well. So God really wants us to hear this. He says it three different times. <laughs> so pay attention to this. So in Matthew chapter 13, verse three, he says, a farmer went out to sow seed. He was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Now, here's the key scripture I want us to pay attention to. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. And he ends with this. Whoever has ears, let him hear. That's exactly how Jesus closes his letters to the churches in the book of Revelation. Whoever has ear, let him hear. Now he goes on to tell, to explain to the disciples what this parable means. 
But what I want to focus on is not the bad seed and not the bad soil, because I'm assuming if you're listening to this, that, that you're, it, we're in good seed. If we're not, we'll, we'll do a podcast about that or you're in good soil. If not, we'll do a podcast about that at a different time. But I'm assuming you're here and you're listening because you want God to produce a crop through your life. When he goes on describing it, the, the following verses, Jesus goes on to describe it to the disciples, but then in verse 23, so in Matthew chapter 13, verse 23, he says, again, the seed falling on soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So in this parable, there's four different types of scenarios where the seed, where the seed goes, and only one of them produces a crop. But notice that, notice that when, he, when he talks about it, when he goes on to describe it, Jesus in, in verse Matthew, we're still in Matthew chapter 13, he said in verse 18, listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. In ver- verse 20, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or pre- persecution comes because of the word, they fall away quickly. The seed falling among the thorns referred to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and making it unfruitful. So the seed, the only seed that has any hope of living is a seed that produces a crop. Follow me with this because we're going to keep going. Let's go to Matthew chapter 25. We're going to go a little bit further, Matthew chapter 25. And we're going to go verses 14. So Matthew chapter 25, verse 14, is another parable Jesus tells us about cr- producing a crop. This is called sometimes called the parable of the talents. And if you read the NIV, I'm reading all from the NIV, the parable of the bags of gold. So Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Think about this. this he's, he's entrusting his wealth to us. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another two, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. So God is going to give you gifts. He's going to create your function in the body according to your ability. And it says, then he went on his journey. Verse 16, the man who received the five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, we're 2000 years into this, by the way, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five master. He said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Verse 22, the man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you have entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. Verse 23, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. Now, he's, here's the key part. 
His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gathered seed where I have not scattered. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have at least received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags for whoever has will be given more and they will have in an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them and thrown and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He says, he calls him, you wicked, lazy servant. Throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So we have two parables here where Jesus makes it abundantly clear that we are required to produce a crop, that the, that the byproduct of being in relationship with him is fruit, a crop. And if we do not do that, if we take what he's given us and buried it, it's not just bad, it's really bad. <laughs> he's thrown outside into the darkness. Now, I say this not to scare you because Jesus gave us warnings not to scare us, but to invite us into the journey that he has actually called us. Now, we know, we're going to go now to John chapter 15, that Jesus, you know, there was something key about the parable of the bags of gold. He gave them each according to their ability. God is not going to give you a gift. He's not going to give you a function and not give you the ability to fulfill it. You see, the the real key to this is not you in your flesh, you doing hard work. The real key to it is exactly what we're going to talk about right here. And I've I've mentioned this passage, and I think this passage is so critical to go back to and continue to read and understand what Jesus is telling us here. John chapter 15. This is not the first time I've covered this, and it's not going to be the last time because I think this is so important, and, and so many Christians lose sight of this because they get so busy being religious that they're not paying attention to what God has actually called us to do, which is to be in relationship. John chapter 15, verse one, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. This goes back to what we just read in the other two parables. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. I'm going to skip down and I'm going to go to verse, well, I'll just keep reading. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That right there is the key to taking what God has given you and using it for his kingdom. Remain in me and I in you. It is a two-way road. You have to be connected into the vine and he has to be given permission to abide in you. This is how you take what you are given and produce a crop. Now, I want to talk about the choices we have with what God has given us. Because there are several examples in the Bible, and we're going to go through those examples of what happens, not just the warning that Jesus has given us, but we're going to see Jesus, 
Jesus is so good. God is so good because not only does he give us this warning and does he give us this word, but he gives us examples in the scripture of what happens when we take what he's given us, that he expects us to give back to him, that he expects us to be plugged into the vine so he can produce a crop. When we take that and we use it for something other than what God has, has called us for, he gives us examples of that. So there are three choices we have with the gifts that God has given us. We just read about one of the choices. You can bury it and do nothing with it. And we just saw the consequence of doing nothing with it. We saw the consequence of not bearing fruit. So if if you are playing it safe with your faith, the consequence of that is that you are going to be called a wicked servant and you will be thrown out into the darkness. The consequence of not doing anything with your faith is very dangerous. The other choice you can do is you can take what God's been given to you and you can use it for your own purpose purposes. <laughs> you can incorrectly apply the gift that God has given to you. Probably the best example of this is David. So I want to talk about King David. I love King David. I love King David. I can't wait to meet King David. <laughs> King David made a really two really big, huge mistakes that are in the Bible for us. And there's a lot of lessons we can derive from them. But what I saw when I look at this story and, and for the purpose and the context of this discussion, I want to talk about what King David was given and then what he did with it. Now, what's interesting is David is called a man after God's own heart. And we, and we, you can see a lot of that in the Psalms. It's really beautiful when you see the Psalms and how much David loved God but one of the things that I've come to see, you know, when I read through the scripture, God's heart and why he chose David to be the shepherd of his people is probably because David was a shepherd himself. But what being a shepherd does is teaches you compassion, love, sacrifice. You know, we see that David, you know, was famous for killing a bear and killing a lion when they attacked his sheep, he was the kind of shepherd who was willing to lay down his life to protect his sheep. There's another interesting story in the Bible where Jesus talks about his heart towards his people or Jesus, God, God and Jesus are one and the same, but this is actually old Testament. So these are not Jesus's words. This is the, you know, Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 34 and Ezekiel chapter 34 is the Lord talking about shepherds for Israel. And he says, woe to you shepherds of Israel, and I'm in chapter, and I'm in verse two, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. God goes, God goes on further, you know, through Ezekiel to say, now in verse 10, I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep. I will look after them as a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them. So I will look after my sheep. 
I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on the day the clouds of darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries. I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel in the ravines and the settlements of the land. I will tend them in good pasture. What I love about this and the reason that I wanted to share this with you is I, I wanted you to see the heart of God, why God called David a man after his own heart, because that is the heart David had, the heart of a shepherd. He went out, he protected the flock, he, he brought in the wounded, he cared for the weak. So because of David's heart, God gave David an incredible amount of blessing and power as the king of Israel. He initially anointed Saul and he took that anointing away from Saul and gave it to King David. And so, so because of David's heart, God gave David a tremendous amount of authority in this life. He gave him gifts to be the leader and ruler of Israel. So we have a story where David is at home when he should be out doing other things. So he's not using his kingship, the gift that God gave him for the purpose that God gave it for, gave it to him. And he sees Bathsheba bathing and he finds out who she is. And he calls her over to the palace. Now, here's the thing. If David hadn't been king, he couldn't have said, bring that woman here. So not only does, so David takes his authority. David takes what God has given to him and he abuses it for his own selfish gain. He's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. And now he starts using it for his own selfish gain. And what ends up happening? He gets Bathsheba pregnant. And so then he uses authority again to bring Uriah, her wife home and says, Hey, sleep with your wife. And he, he won't do it. So then David uses his authority incorrectly again. And he puts his, her husband on the front line of battle. So he dies. So he doesn't have to fess up to the fact that he got a married woman pregnant. That is what happens when you take the gifts God has given you and you misuse them. He committed adultery and murder were the consequence of taking the authority and the gifting that God had given him and misused it. Now, God's grace is good, and he, he gave David forgiveness, and David came back into relationship. So I say this to you for twofold reason. Many, many Christians out there take the gifts, and many people out there take the gifts that God has given them, take the authority, take the influence, take what, what the Lord has given you to serve his body and they use it for their own selfish gain or they use it for the wrong purposes. The consequences of that are dire. And we see the consequences of that in the life of David and the mistakes that he made. Another prime example of, of taking what God has given you and misusing it were the Pharisees and the Sadducees of the time of Jesus. What's so astounding to me as you read through the Gospels is that the Pharisees and the Sadducees who were given God-given authority, and if you question that it's God-given, I want you to go to the book of Acts, chapter 23, and you have the story here where Paul is being taken into custody in Jerusalem, and again, the Pharisees and the Sadducees are still at it. Crucifying Jesus wasn't enough. Now we're after Paul. And Paul, the high priest, says to strike Paul on the mouth. And so Paul speaks out against him. And all those standing by say, how dare you insult God's high priest? And here's Paul's response. Brothers, I did not realize he was the high priest, for it is written, do not speak evil about the ruler of your people. So even Paul, you know, had respect for the, for the, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and their authority. What's interesting is you read through the Gospels, these men who were given, God-given authority to tend the flock, what, what we just read about in Ezekiel. 
And they criticize Jesus constantly for healing people on the Sabbath. And he looks at them and he says, you hypocrites, if you had a sheep that fell into the well on the Sabbath, you would reach into the well and pull it out. Is it not greater for me to heal people on the Sabbath? And they took their God-given authority and they used it to rile the people together to capture the Messiah, hang him on a cross and crucify him. Now, we do not yet know the consequences of what they are going to face on the judgment day when they stand before God and have to give an account for crucifying their own Messiah. But this, this is, should be such a harsh warning to you of what happens when you take what God has given you and you don't use it for his kingdom. We have the parable of the talents where you do nothing with it. And then we have these examples in the scripture where we have the Pharisees and the Sadducees and we have David. And and I'm sure there are countless other examples. Moses, the reason he didn't enter the promised land It's because he struck the rock when God told him to speak. He took what God gave him and he didn't do it the way God said to do it. And he didn't enter the promised land as a result. Oh, and by the way, the only people that entered the promised land that were given the original promise were Joshua and Caleb. Of all the people that were given the promise, you're going to go into your promised land. The only two people who heard those words that entered the promised land were Joshua and Caleb. The consequences of not being faithful with what God has given you are very severe. And so you have three choices to, to, with what you're going to do with what God's given you. You can do nothing with it and face the consequences of being a wicked servant. You can misuse it and face the consequences of misusing what God's given you. Or you can do what Jesus is telling us in John chapter 15, abide in him, just give it to him, surrender it to him. That's the most beautiful thing about being a Christian is it's the hardest, easiest thing you've ever done. That's why Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary for I will give you rest. My burden is light. My, my yoke is easy. Like my yoke is light. My burden is easy. What Jesus is saying to his people is he's saying, I have, I'm going to, through the power of the Holy Spirit, give you everything you need to be successful in this Christian life. What I need from you in return is faith, obedience, and to be plugged into the vine. When you have faith and you are obedient to God, and you just spend time with him, you spend time in his word, you start using the gifts that God has given you, he will produce a crop through your life. You don't have to produce that crop. He will produce it through you. It is, it's such a privilege to be used by God. Here's something important to remember. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. He can do everything he wants to apart from us, but he's given us this gift. He's given us, it's called a gift. (laughs) He's given us these gifts because he's inviting us to the table. He's inviting us to earn rewards. I mean, think about this for a second, you guys. God is going to reward those who diligently seek him. What we have waiting for us in eternity is beyond what we can fathom. And the reward is just simply surrendering to him. When we surrender, he produces a crop through our lives. I mean, it doesn't, there's no better deal on earth than this. You get forgiveness of sin. You get righteousness. You get a peace that surpasses all understanding that guards your minds and hearts in Christ Jesus. You get eternal salvation. You get a reward. You get a friend. You get, you get the Holy spirit to walk with you. You get, you get the beauty of, of knowing the creator of the universe and all he's asking you to do is trust him, be obedient to him, open your heart to him. And, and that is exactly what Psalm 23 tells us. Again, that's a Psalm written by David, a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. 
I encourage you to set back and say to yourself, okay, what are my gifts? So if you're saying, okay, what are my gifts, Tiana? I don't know what my gifts are. Well, the way that you're going to discover your gifts is to, first of all, pray about it and ask the Lord to show you, Lord, what are the gifts? What are the things you want me to do? It is amazing when you ask the Lord to begin to show you, he'll, he will bring things into your life. I am here hosting this podcast, coaching the people that I have the privilege of coaching, doing the work that I do in my day job, because I've prayed and I've asked the Lord, lead me. We see all these great stories in the books of book of Acts where Philip is walking along and the Holy Spirit says, I got somewhere for you to need where I've got somewhere for you to be. And he literally, the Holy Spirit literally puts Philip in, in the physical location. He needs him to be where he meets the eunuch. When you ask the Lord, when you ask and you ask, and you will receive knock and the door will be open to you seek. And you will find when you ask the Lord will be faithful to, to answer that. But some of the other things you can do to see where your gifts are is what inspires you? What, what gives you passion? What do you look around at and say, wow, I wish, you know, what do you love? So many of the gifts that God has given us are those things. Now, the other thing, and this is, this is spiritual, I'm getting a little bit spiritually deep in this one and I recognize this. So, you know, if you're newer in your walk with Christ or you, or you haven't, uh, you know, been a spirit filled Christian for very long, some of this may be foreign to you, but the other way that you can tell what God has for you is to see where the enemy has attacked you the most. It's fascinating now as a, you know, an adult woman, when I look back in my past, the two, you know, two of the gifts that God has given me is the gift of leadership, which is influence the gift of encouragement, which is, you know, what this podcast is about. And he's given me the gift and slash responsibility of speaking. I have a gift to be able to articulate the things that he's given. What's interesting is when I look at my report card and when I was a kid, I was under so much spiritual attack. And that's part of the story that I tell in my testimony. I mean, being a sexually abused child, I mean, there's only one explanation for that. Satan was out for me. And part of the reason why Satan was after me and my dad and I were talking about this last night is, you know, I didn't realize this. Uh, my dad actually clarified this for me. My mom actually had two miscarriages before I was born. And so I'm the firstborn. So, you know, my parents weren't sure they were going to be able to have kids, two miscarriages. And so by the time my mom was well and pregnant with me, you know, they were at a prayer meeting and, and my dad said it went on for about an hour. And there were several people who prophesied over my, over my mother's womb that, that God had a purpose for my life. Well, that turned Satan right into my path. And so what's interesting is, as I look at the things that Satan did to attack me as a young child, which everything, by the way, that Satan means for evil, God will turn into good in your life, by the way. That is one of the most exciting parts of my journey is everything Satan's meant to harm me, God is using and producing a fruit with in my life right now. I'm, I'm standing here today because God has said, hey, you know these bumps and bruises? There are so many people in the world who have them. Get up there and tell your story because it's time to bring healing. And I couldn't share this story and I couldn't reach and resonate with certain people if it weren't for my bumps and bruises. But there were two things that kept showing up on my report card as a kid. Tiana talks too much. Woo, surprising. <laughs> and Tiana's bossy. She tells the kids what to do too much. <laughs> you see, what God had put in me was a gift of leadership and a gift of encouragement. And Satan was trying to teach me at a young age that those were bad and not to use them. I can't tell you for how long in my life I was afraid to speak up and use my voice because I thought it was a, I thought it was a bad part of my personality instead of a gift that God has given me. So what are areas in your life that you are just a natural part of your personality that, that God has had to prune. I, I'm not saying I was born 
perfectly ready to, to share his word or to, or to speak truth into the world or to be a leader. I, had a, I have a lot of learning to do as a leader, but what are the areas in your life that God's had to prune that are natural for you? That, or that Satan has attacked or tried to make you feel bad about that you actually know that once given in the hands of the Lord are shaped into something beautiful. My mouth used to get me into a lot of trouble because I misused it because I had a belief that it wasn't what God had for me, that it was actually a bad thing. What are the areas in your life where Satan discourages you? What are the areas in your life where you have passion and compassion and you care about? These are all indications of the gifts that God has given you. And so I would encourage you to seek the Lord and ask him what the gifts are. Ask him how you can be serving. Ask him what your function in the body is. And then with the Holy Spirit, by the, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, a, a, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. I love that, you know, that beautiful, beautiful demonstration of how God leads us, you know, through the leading of the Holy Spirit, how can you begin to let him produce a crop in your life? And so I'm standing here because I surrendered to the Lord. I pray. I said, Lord, what do you want for me to do? And when I, when I felt that calling on my life, I just stood up and I said, yes, Lord, in obedience. And then now the next step is making sure that the things that I share, I'm sharing through what the Holy Spirit is leading me. I never really told you guys the story of how I started this podcast, but you know, as I, as you know, I talk about, I spend time with the Lord in the mornings and I was up in the morning praying and the Lord has just been pouring his word into my heart. And there's just so many, so many beautiful truths and principles that he's been stirring up in my heart and teaching me and opening the word of God and having it come alive. My poor dad, I just sit down with him like, dad, we got to talk about this (laughs) because my dad, you know, was a pastor for many, many years. And, um, you know, so I love talking with him about this stuff. And I just started thinking, Lord, you know, it's, it's interesting because when you see the prophets, you know, they, they describe having this word and it feels like Ezekiel, especially it feels like there's like a burning coal inside of you. Like you've got to get this out. And I had this just sensation of I'm about to burst. I can't explain it other than to tell you that I knew what God was pouring into me. I needed to let out. It was just this unbelievable. It felt physically heavy. Like I felt physically heavy and I just was praying and I was like, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? And he was like, I want you to start a podcast. And I said, okay, I can do that. And so I said, okay, Lord, I need to find time in the Holy spirit. I've, I've, you know, there's a few times in my life where, where the Holy Spirit has just been spoken to me so clearly where there was no question what he was saying to me. The Holy Spirit said, I didn't say find time. I said, make time. And I was like, yes, Lord, <laughs> that sounds a little mean. God does not mean like that. But I mean, no, no, no. He was like, no, no, no. That sensation that you feel, that heaviness that you felt is because I'm now calling you to take everything that I've been pouring into your life to pour it out and share it with your body. And that's why I'm standing here today. This is, I'm, I'm being obedient to what the Lord has led me to do. And you will find those same things. You will find that urge. You will find that thing inside of you that is, there's no peace. You have no peace because God's calling you to do it and you're just not doing it. And once you do it, there's just this release of like, okay, I'm finally doing what it is I'm supposed to do. So that's another way you can figure out where you're called is where do you not have peace in your life because you're not surrendering it to the Holy spirit. It was interesting. I was having a, coaching call with one of my clients. And I know I don't talk about my secular work much on this, but I, you know, I, I'm a, a life coach, executive coach. I do some coaching on the side. And we were talking about this particular situation that this person was in. And it was one of these areas in their life. And this was a Christian. So we were talking, you know, in Christian terms. And it's one of these areas in this person's life where they're just like holding 
on to this resentment <laughs> that they just refuse to let go. And I, you know, I've tried to poke and prod at that spot a little bit, but I've learned as a coach, like you can't poke and prod until somebody's ready to open it up. And so finally the moment opened and, and, you know, the person brought this vulnerable thing to me. And I, and I just kind of said like, like, when are you going to let this go? You are getting in your own way. You're self-sabotaging. We've made all this progress in all these other areas of your life. And this one area of your life, you're self-sabotaging because you refuse to let it go. And through a long and beautiful and heart wrenching conversation, you know, this person finally let it go. And I could just, just the sheer amount of relief that came over this person was one of the most beautiful things I've ever experienced because it's, that is exactly what it's like when we just get in obedience with God's word. There's just such a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful peace. You know, that's, that's one of the, the scriptures I love in the book of Philippians, Philippians, Phili- Sorry, I don't know what's going on with my microphone. Okay, there we go. Philippians chapter four says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, not some, not most, not not the important ones, but every single situation in your life, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then guess guess what the outcome of presenting your request to God is? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. I love this. I was reading this in Psalm 145 this morning. Psalm 145 is just beautiful. But verse 17 says, The Lord is righteous in all his ways. And faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him. You guys, the 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 things that you are not giving to the Lord that he's given to you for his purposes, the things that you've buried, the things that you're using for your own personal gain. I use the gifts that God gave me for my own gain and it led me down a life of sin and discontentment and pain and I hurt people with it. You hurt people when you take what God's given you and you misuse it, period. You are not able to wield what God has given you apart from him. (laughs) That sword is way too heavy and way too big for you. (laughs) You hurt people with it. When you give it to him, there's so much abundance and there's so much goodness that comes along with it. So I'd encourage you to spend, continue to dig into your faith with the Lord, continue to spend time with him, continue to discover what it is that God has called you to, and then give it to him, get in the vine, get plugged in and begin to use the gifts that he's given you for his kingdom, because you are going to be held responsible for those and accountable for those. He has not given you anything you can't handle. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, he's going to walk you through this journey and what you will get in return is so much greater than what you give up. You're going to hear me say this over and over again. Spend time with the Lord. Spend time with the Lord. Spend time with the Lord. I'm never going to stop saying that because that is the, I said this to my client and I will say this to you. Jesus is the answer to every single problem you have. Just like Philippians said, but in every situation, present your requests to God. He is the answer to every single problem that you have. 
When you begin to filter your life through the lens of Jesus is the answer, your world will change. He tells us he's the answer. He says, don't worry about anything. I'm going to take care of you. When he tells us how to pray, he says, don't go on rambling with God. He knows what you need before you come to him. Just remind, you know, just go before him and ask him for these things. God is so good. He is so good. He's going to do so many great things through your life. Don't bury your gifts. Don't misuse them. Give them to him. Guys, this is our season. This is our time. The world is changing. Time is short. Jesus is coming soon. If you don't want to hear that, and if you say, everybody's been saying that for a long time, well, guess what? It's in the book of Revelation. Jesus said, the very, 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 very last bit of Jesus. Revelation chapter 22, the last chapter of the Bible, verse 20. I am coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. Get busy seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. What you give to the Lord, he will produce a crop and you will get rewarded for that. You guys, that's the best deal you're ever going to (laughs) get. Take God up on this deal. I'd like to close. I meant to open with a prayer. I'd like to close with a prayer. I just want to pray for you guys right now. And I want to pray for our body. I want to pray for our world. I want to pray for all the things that are going on. So if you will, let's end in prayer and then we'll wrap this up. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much. God, we are so fortunate to live in this day and age. We are so fortunate that we have your word just so readily available to us. And we have so many tools available to us to spread your gospel, to share your hope, to share your light, to share your love. Lord, we're entering into times that can be difficult to discern, but Jesus, you tell us in your word that through the Holy Spirit, we can have the gift of discernment and we can know what it is to do. And you tell us that when we offer our bodies to you and when we are transformed by the renewing of our mind, that then we can test your will and we can know where you're going and we can know where you're leading. And Lord, I just pray for my brothers and sisters right now. Lord, I I lift up my body to you. I lift up our church, Lord. And I just ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you would pour your Holy Spirit on everybody who's listening to this right now, Lord. Lord, I know that the beauty of of who you are when you fill us with your Holy Spirit is that you just produce this amazing crop, Lord. And I just pray for all of those lost, Lord, that are going to be brought into your kingdom, Lord. I just pray that we would be busy doing what it is you've called us to do so we can be faithful with what you've given us and bring you glory here on earth. Bring your love and your light to the lost and dying world, Lord, and, and be faithful with the beautiful gift that you've given us to be a part of your kingdom, to be a part of your plan. Thank you for including us on this, Lord. Thank you for giving us this opportunity to serve you. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to be a part of your kingdom. You did not have to do this. You did not have to make this available to us, but God, you are so good. And Jesus, most importantly, thank you. Thank you for all that you did. Thank you for who you are. And thank you for your free gift. Jesus, it is so humbling to know that you, the perfect creator, the all-loving God, came down here to earth and poured yourself out for us, Lord. Lord, we, we are such blind fools, so so ignorant to who you truly are and what you truly want for us, Father. But I just pray, Lord, through your Holy Spirit that 
Lord, that we would just begin to taste and see and understand who you are and what it is you've called us to do. So that, Father, we can just appreciate you and love you because the greatest gift that we receive is the gift of just being able to stand in your presence and be be near you. You are so beautiful. You are so wonderful. You are so good. We love you so much, and we are so grateful to be your children, to be called yours. Lord, may, may your light shine through us, Lord. May we be salt and light. And Lord Jesus, most importantly, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We love you and we praise you. And in the precious name of Jesus, we pray this. Amen. Thank you guys for tuning in. I'll uh, let you know once I figure out what the right cadence is for this. But until next time, spend time with the Lord. Draw closer to Jesus. Thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great one. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Made to Conquer. Please be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends and family, anyone else you think would enjoy joining us on this journey of drawing closer to Jesus.